0: Hey, Brian, how's it going? Oh, yeah, Brian's not here. Nothing Important, episode 15, interview with Ray Seahorn. She plays Kim Wexler on Better Call Saul, music by the Alex Hoffer Band, and our buddies Matt and Fink in the studio. Let's go. You're
1: listening to Nothing Important. Please enjoy the show. Nothing Important
2: Podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Audible has 150,000... Audiobooks that you can download on your iPad, your Android, whatever you listen to audiobooks on, you can download it there. And this is typically where I put in some plug for a book to show you that you can get that for your, your free trial. And I didn't do that, Dave.
0: Okay. So go read the Prince's boy.
2: Okay. Yeah. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> gonna be go-to if you don't have a plug. Okay, so
2: once again, I think we, we set this for <laughs> another episode that's coming down the pike, but Dave actually edited a lot of audiobooks. Mm-hmm that are sold through Audible, right?
0: Yes, yes. And I have so, had my share, my fill of vampire novels and beastie erotica. <laughs>
3: so, <laughs> if you're into vampire Beastiality <laughs> erotica?
0: Technically, yes. <laughs> Sweet. It is animal hey. things. <laughs> <laughs> Banging chicks.
2: <laughs> so, so if you're into any of that, go to our website, <laughs> www.nothingimportantpodcast.com, <laughs> click the Audible link, Uh, Click through and make sure to get your free trial. <laughs> you actually went to a Olympiska.
0: In parentheses, air raid vehicle. Let's get it
2: right. <laughs> and you went to Olympiska concert.
3: Yeah, I did. I was in high school.
2: Yeah. How? how uh, Was there just like red hats everywhere? Uh, red, red hats and shitty goatees. Uh, there were everywhere? a lot of
3: backward hats, and there was a lot of douche. It smelled of vinegar when you walked in. Uh, <laughs> but it was at the Peoria Civic Center. Um, System of a Down opened and got booed off stage. What? Yeah. Oh, it was like before. Over? It was before they had no. their if album out Oh, the I was set.
0: gonna say because they. I saw them at the Civic Center with Mudvayne or Mudvayne canceled in, in Peoria, which was the best show ever. So you went but to a lim-
3: you
2: went to a Limp Biscuit concert, and who got booed off stage?
3: System of a Down got booed off stage, and then second was Red Man and Method Man. You know, so they, oh, had, a that's rap right. they show. had that whole thing, right? Yeah, and then <laughs> Limp Biscuit was the you know. Finale, obviously. So that's how bad music the was headline. back
2: then, as Limp Bizkit was the show. What the fuck were we thinking
3: back then? <laughs> hey,
0: man, $3 Billy all is actually a really good album. My you like favorite. that album? Yeah. It's I, different. There's well, that we, we like used that. to,
2: like, uh, when Dave and I had, you know, our band, like, we, we kind of did the rap rock thing, but, like, for us, it was always like, ha-ha, this is funny, we're doing rap rock. <laughs> well, it rock, was comedy,
0: bro. comedy, rock, rap, or R- crap. Crap,
2: right. It
3: was, <laughs> crap. Well, it was definitely <laughs> crap. But, no one it
2: like, <laughs> Because I always talk about, like, I hate... I hate my daddy music. You know what I mean? Like music that's like intentionally angry. It's like my second hated music next to like these pussy, like emo bands that like sing like an entire album's worth of songs about how like they pine for like the popular girl in high school. I fucking hate that shit. So like Limp Bizkit to me, like even, even back then, like, just seeing this, like, chubby, balding asshole in a red baseball cap, like, act like he was, like, the biggest badass ever, I'm like, dude, you're, like, fucking 5'2". <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, like, hey, Fred Durst, I don't know if you know this, but you're fucking Fred Durst. <laughs> you know, it's not like you're, like, some big
0: thug or gangbanger. Well, I saw and by him. the
2: way, if you're Fred Durst and want to come on the Nothing Important Podcast.
0: <laughs> 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 I, I never saw Limp Biscuit, but I definitely saw Fred Durst perform with Steel Panther at the House of Blues in L.A. And he was Steel all, Panther. Uh, Oakland Raiders gear. Really? He had like a, like a Richard, C, uh, Richard Seymour Sherman jersey, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know, one of the linemen. And a, and a Raiders cap. And like, you know, Steel Panther's like, hey, Fred Durst is here. And I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> Wait, <laughs> and did they just, say that on
2: stage? Yeah, yeah.
0: they're like, they oh. saw him in the crowd. They're so like, Steel
2: Panther's like, hey, Fred Durst yeah, is here. They're like, Fred and then,
0: Durst is here. Like, they're like, you want to come do a song with us? And I was like, is this real? And then he gets up on stage and I was like, it kind of looks like Fred Durst. And as soon as he started singing, yeah, you, know, you know, whatever. <laughs> I was like, oh God, it's Fred Durst. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like, like Brett Favre after he retired. <laughs> uh, Brett Favre is freaking ripped right now, man. Have you seen him? He looks like an axe man.
3: Oh, ripped like muscular, not yeah, ripped, like, just like drunk all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Brett Favre is sexual. a fucking
2: raging alcoholic. And if you're Brett Favre, I would like to come on the Nothing More podcast and talk about your raging You
3: shouldn't be slanderous about him being alcoholic. We don't know that, but he's probably addicted to pills. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. His brain is a freaking bowl of mashed potatoes right now.
2: <laughs> this is this is what we kind of do here. Uh, uh, for those of you listening, it's typically me and Dave, but we have our uh, we have our buddies in studio right now hanging out with us. It's like... Fucking twelve. It's noon, and they're they already got uh, beers cracked. There's uh, Jeff. Say hi, Jeff. Hi, Jeff. That nice. And Matt. Matt, how's it going? Doing good.
0: Nice. <laughs> was that a fart noise? Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> Had to get no it out of the way. A little nervous. No fart jokes. No fart jokes. <laughs> <laughs> no dick jokes. No fart jokes. This is not the morning ride. Yeah. Vagina jokes are cool. <laughs> All
2: right. So I think we we got off the subject there. So did you have anything more to add about? Did we here? have a
0: lim
3: biscuit um i mean it was high school so, okay, I mean, that's so, a thing well that, that's Just a good let's that's all a good topic, that it, it was high school
2: that's a good topic though Let, let's talk about mm-hmm. let's talk about that okay so you went and saw lim biscuit what's the uh uh dave looking yeah. back what's the uh, most looking uh, back <laughs> what's the, what's the most um, embarrassing band you ever went to see
0: the most embarrassing band i ever went to see mm-hmm I ain't ashamed of any band I've ever gone to see. Oh, come on now. Yeah, but there's something now where... Van Halen... Okay, my first show, not... My first musical live performance was a festival, so I don't count that. My first show to see a specific band, Van Halen 3 with Gary Sharon. Oh, wow. Yeah.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
2: Okay.
3: Was that a free ticket?
0: No, well, I guess to What me radio it was. station did you win that <laughs> off yeah. Were you in the ninth caller? Oh, yeah. call <laughs> I was more excited to see Kenny Wayne Shepard, actually. Yeah, I <gasps> I sober it. Eddie Van Halen and Gary Sharon. Mm. Sounds like magic. That's not even Van Halen though. I mean, yeah, no, that's not, not you life. get a fucked up Eddie Van Halen and some David Lee Roth up yeah. in that piece. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Hey, Alex and uh, and Michael were still there and cool, so I have no idea who that is. It's the drummer and the bass player. Oh, <laughs>
2: sorry, I, I I don't know Van Halen. I've never saw <laughs> like to a see.
0: Terrible. Oh, maybe ICP. Maybe I'm a little embarrassed about that concert.
2: No, I wasn't. <laughs> I, I, I've been to two ICP concerts, and I don't give a fuck what anybody says. They were fucking awesome.
0: First panic attack in my life was at yeah. ICP? <laughs> okay,
2: so 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 years ago, like I'm not like one of them big like you know like I probably um, I appreciate ICP as how a lot of like middle aged men appreciate Kiss. Right, like, like, like I was talking about, like, I, I hate the, whole, like, come on, I mean, they're painted like clowns. They're obviously not taking themselves that fucking serious, <laughs> and, and like, I'm, I'm drawn to that kind of music. Like, they might be giants, silly ass music. Like, I'm a sucker for that shit. Uh, you guys know Carey, that, right? Yeah. And, and so, like, that's what oh, you know. Like, I, yeah. I find ICP so ridiculous that it's awesome. It's, it's like how people like Guar, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, it's like, okay, yeah, that, that's fucking dumb, but. Come on, that's fucking hilarious. So Dave and I went to an insane clown posse concert. Where was that shit? Uh, House of Blues?
0: No, uh, Riviera. Riviera. It and, Riviera.
2: Right. And of course, so it's like all these people like rocking out to these, uh, two fat guys <laughs> painted like, like clowns. And, um, you know me, I'm like, oh, yeah, let's go where the action is, like uh, people punching each other. Like, let's go the fuck down there. <laughs> and, yeah. And I, uh, Dave had a panic attack <laughs> an ICP concert.
3: Me personally, when I go to a concert and I know that there's uh, the there's the pit and it's going crazy, mm-hmm. I didn't pay forty five dollars to get punched in the face. That's yeah, what my oh that kind of thing was. That's yeah. That was yeah shit. I mean, I, I'm gonna watch the show that's on there. And, you know, see the visuals and whatever, and I'll get into it and sing the songs along with them and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. But I'm not trying to split my head open.
0: Well, that's the thing. That's because I was just like, as I was being basically shoved like horizontally across this crowd because <laughs> the crowd just, you know, shifts dramatically. And it was all packed in. I was just like, I just want to watch the show. Like, I need to get the fuck out of here. I can't uh, right. see what's going
3: on. To come back to the Limp Bizkit show real mm-hmm. quick. Um, the Pure Civic Center. Which is a phrase that you really
0: don't hear very often.
3: Oh, right. right. <laughs> Let's go back no, to the we so. <laughs> It was a phrase I was embarrassed to say. Um, but at the Pure Civic Center, that's a hockey rink. And oh, yeah. the way that you got a, or the floor was just covered with probably inch, inch and a half paperboard like that's what you walked on. So as people were drink <laughs>
2: like, like foam core board, they bought it at Michaels. Yeah, <laughs> like,
3: oh, but it, but it was it was paper because yeah. eventually it started kind of getting wet and like it people were soaking up like the Well, people were had drinks and stuff and would spill uh-huh. on it. So it started, you know, kind of getting kind of crappy as the show went on and eventually when the Limp Bizkit started playing and all that kind of happens and the pits started showing up and oh my god, crazy stuff. Um, some people thought it was a good idea to lift up one of these sheets oh, yeah. and use it for crowd surfing. Yep. So, you know, people were on top of this and they're crowd surfing, but now they have a big like, piece so of. Like, so they a-
2: had like a crowd surf board.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Essentially, yeah. Um, but now you have a gigantic piece of exposed ice <laughs> <laughs> because it's a hockey rink. And uh, within 15 minutes, there was blood all over it from oh. people being packed on the floor stepping backwards not realizing there's exposed ice and then cracking their skulls on it (laughs) (laughs) like it was kind of scary actually for a bit
2: so maybe i take that back maybe i do want to go to olympus concert (laughs) that sounds hilarious
0: that i saw the i can't remember the name of the show but it was the slipknot mudvane deftones american head charge thing way back in the day mm -hmm. which mudvane canceled their homecoming show so people were already kind of pissed off the same thing happened mudvane played your homecoming dance yes the enchantment under the seat, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: Marvin. Oh, that be awesome. <laughs> that was the sound they were looking for, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> So, anyway, nothing says awkward teenagers grinding.
0: It's so. your cousin, Marvin Tarnakian. <laughs> Serge, it's your cousin, anyway. Um, so. It was pretty much the same exact situation where the patches were coming up and like the ice was exposed but somebody some girl got up on top of the uh the board like there was two across the thing they started having a stripping contest and one of them got arrested for public indecency apparently. Oh,
2: did did everybody boo and throw shit at the yes. police? What about you Matt? What's the uh what what concert would you probably not typically admit to on a podcast that you went
0: to? Ugh, this one hurts to say but Third Eye Blind. Third. <laughs> oh <hell> yeah, dude. <laughs> You like i right wanted back. to step off a ledge my friend on that one but uh, <laughs> that was a a rough concert i don't know like i look back now and that was probably the weakest concert i've ever been to honestly yeah i thought they would put on a hell of a show they, I, I don't know i didn't i don't particularly care for that lead singer he's too i don't know feminine for me mm. oh he's whiny it's the reason uh, i hate green five well their music sucks but that's another reason i hate green five <laughs>
3: Was he a strong a out of of, Was he as strung out on meth as his song to Lutu?
0: <laughs> he looked lively. I don't know. He's so <laughs> but uh, yeah, I wanted to get out of there quick. It was, uh, it was a pretty rough show. We're doing yeah. a three-day tour in 25 minutes. You, you know what I what I love
2: uh, about doing nothing important because uh, Dave and I also do. It's all good, man. Better call Saul podcast, and we, and we keep to Saul. But it started with nothing important. What, what I loved about it is we we set ground rules at the beginning. Um, no religion. No politics
4: mm-hmm.
2: and uh try not to burn too many bridges. <laughs> and every fucking episode we always burn bridges. Like <laughs> not not that any of these people would ever give a fuck about our shitty little podcast, <laughs> but it's just kind of funny. We were like we like try to be good, we were, like, oh, let's make a conscious uh, effort not to shit on people. And so far we've shit on Fred Durst, <laughs> American Airlines, we ripped Comcast and Asked. Yeah, Comcast,
0: so, like, a, like they're gonna just cancel Kansas. our service, find out who we are. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> <laughs> We shit on everybody, <laughs>
2: but go, going back to uh, concert stories, because um, I've actually been to two ICP concerts, two of them, and I think I, I thank you, thank you, thank you. I, I'm, a, I'm a survivor of uh, whatever the fuck they got going on, but uh, one of the be- one of the best one, the best one I went to is uh, me and my buddy Luke. Hi, Luke. Me and my buddy Luke were like right up on on the cage up front, you know, like just getting pelted with their fucking pop and eye and all this shit, and. Uh, the the singer Shaggy Two Dope decides that he's going to run from the back and he's going to crowd surf, and this is at the House of Blues in Chicago. That's why I asked you. Oh yeah, where we went okay. to one because I, I couldn't remember, but I definitely remember this. So he takes a running start, trips over a Fago bottle, and busts his head right off the cage right in front of me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and like like. They didn't stop shit for, like, 15 fucking minutes, and his body's, like, folded backwards, like, in, like, the little walk area for the security guards between the stage until, like, uh, Violent Day, the other rapper, realizes it, and they, they cut the fucking show. <laughs> he was laying there for, like, 15 minutes, just basically drowning in fago. <laughs> but then, what was cool, what was kind of cool about that, because they were touring with, like, a couple other groups, so obviously they have to call the show because, you know, that that was, like, the main the main act. Uh, but what was cool about that is uh, they called the show canceled. And like, like th- th- fans of that, like, like, let's face it. There's a lot of fat fucking dorks that take that shit way too seriously. The, the j- juggalos or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> but at that concert, when that happened and they called in the paramedics, like all the shit, like mosh pit, like people punching each other, it was like dead silent. And it was like the most orderly exit out of any building I ever saw. It, like House of Blues just got dead silent. Everybody filed out, um, filed out nicely with like no incidents. And then it was kind of cool because like the two opening acts, uh, while the the guy was being rushed to the hospital, the two opening acts were like right outside the exit doors, like shaking hands and thanking people for coming out, even though they had to call show. Huh. So. I don't. Know. I just. I just think that's like because like when you think ICP, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, like these these fat fucking women, <laughs> like welfare queens, like fucking painted their faces to go get a job at the DMV or some shit. Yeah, but like but,
0: <laughs> these
3: welfare queens that paint their faces to go get a job at the DMV.
2: Isn't that what happens at the DMV? Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> I've never seen a – well, okay. I have seen a painted face at the DMV. <laughs> I but, I mean, I would expect that those people are going to work at the mall at the corn dog stand. <laughs> it's
2: like, uh, the people who go to ICP concerts are the kind of people that make a career out of piercing ears at a kiosk in the mall.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's lucrative though. I mean, I'm sure it has great benefits like all the – Body piercings. (laughs) All
2: all, all the fake plastic, hot pink diamond errands that you can muster. I haven't even been in a mall in years. Have you guys even been to a fucking mall?
3: I only go to the mall when my girlfriend wants to go to the mall. And we go to like four shops. Mm -hmm. And we'll walk around. But every second, I hate it. Um, (laughs) And it's mostly not the stuff that's in the mall that I hate. Because there's things to look at and do that. It's the people who... Are there at the mall to be at the mall uh-huh. like their purpose for the day was to go hang out at the mall no, let's go hang out at the mall not in a cool mall rat's way
0: like not because <laughs> i need to buy things from various stores so i'll go to where they all centrally located it's i'm gonna go hang out at the mall i've right. never been i can't think of one time in
2: my life even when even when i was younger being like no. man i am gonna go to the mall to fucking hang out This show's mid-show music break is Alex Hoffer with Keep Searching on his Free From Apathy album. For music, bio, and show dates, go to www.alexhoffer.com.
1: Right on.
5: To nothing important.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, on the Someone Important Hotline, Ray Seahorn. Ray, thanks for being on the show.
5: <laughs> that's a very interesting hotline. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, well, <laughs> it's, it's the Someone Important Hotline. <laughs>
5: that's amazing. I don't think I've ever been on that short list, so that's
2: exciting. <laughs> oh, well, we're glad to add you to it. Um, first off, before we start, congrats on a uh, great first season of Better Call Saul.
5: Thank you. I was so proud of we were so proud of it when we were making it just you know, and trying to build the best the best structure you can build in this great rich storytelling from Vincent Peters, which then months later get to see everybody receive it and then they actually really invest in it and, and um and have like has been just, just amazing. Just an amazing experience.
2: Yeah, it seems like uh it seems like you guys have a have a lot of fun. So I am sure I'm set, um I, I know you're working hard, but I can only imagine. Uh, You probably have a lot of fun as well.
5: We do. We do, but uh, it's a hardworking crew. Um, It is an amazing crew that are much uh, made up of most of the same people from um, Breaking Bad. They're kind of a well-oiled machine. Uh, Mm -hmm. But we shoot a lot of exteriors and a lot of um, on-location and practical shots, and so... You know, a lot of the night shots are not day for night. They are night. And so there were some very long nights. Bravo and Kurt certainly was <laughs> a to 4th unstoppable train. Um, so there was, some, I mean, you have, you have fun. And even when you are up till two o'clock in the morning shooting, then people get a little, you know, a little baffy. But, uh, but it was a, it was a very hardworking, but close-knit group of people, um, that were constantly, you know, in your downtime, you just started rehearsing another scene that you were doing to see if you could get it, get it better. Um, people people almost didn't want to step away from the work, which was its own sort of fun.
2: Well, good. Uh, Breaking Bad ended in uh, September of 2013, and almost immediately, uh, internet rumors and such started swirling about a, a Saul Goodman ripoff. Uh, when, when about did you audition for Better Call Saul? Wait a
5: second. Did you call it a ripoff?
2: I think I did. I meant spinoff. I I sometimes speak incorrectly. <laughs>
5: I, I'm like, well, it is Vincent Peter's
2: character, <laughs> right? Uh, here, here's the thing, Ray. Uh, you mentioned you've heard a few of my uh, a few of our podcasts, so I'm I'm sure as you know, sometimes uh, sometimes I I say dumb things,
0: <laughs> and I, I refuse to correct them because I, I just like to let it roll. <laughs> oh,
2: good.
5: I mostly say dumb things, so that's fine.
0: Um, so, uh,
2: when about did you start auditioning for Better Call Saul?
5: Mm, gosh, when was it? Oh, wow. I cannot think of, I'm sorry, I can't say, it was like a couple of months before they we started shooting, which was June, I think, of last year, um, and I went in a number of times, uh, the really amazing, um, casting directors, Sharon Bialy, Sherry Thomas, and Russell Scott, that also did Breaking Dead, uh knew a lot of my work, um, a larger body of work than anyone has seen because did, I've done many models for them that never went anywhere. But, uh, <laughs> they were great and they thought of me and I had, um, been in, them, on a couple of things that just, uh, um, where they asked me to do a lot of different character takes on things and something out of that made them think that I would be a good fit with Vincent computer to, to tell this story. And then I met with them and read with them and then I met Bob and read with him and, um, yes, yeah, a couple months later, I needed to move to Albuquerque. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> so they had they had you in mind specifically for the for the Kim character, or did they just know that they wanted to have you on the show, and then they felt that Kim was the best fit for you?
5: It was for the Kim. It was always for the Kim character. But uh, most of us got different sides, like fake sides, which is just um, anybody that doesn't know that it's called copy or size, and it's a couple of pages. Um, out of a script that are the lines, the, the parts of scenes, um, that you'll be reading just for the audition. So we all got fake sides and fake character names. So that if any of it got leaked or got out there, um, people would not really be able to put, put it together, which characters is whose and who's been cast as what. Um, and my, uh, so mine said best. And it was not a lawyer. It was like a bunch of, I think I played, multiple different characters with multiple different names. And then they were sort of directing you to play these scenes with the characteristics that they wanted Kim to have grafted mm. into those lines. <laughs> it was a, it was cool. It was a it was a really kind of mind bending like one of your more difficult but fun, uh, like acting workshops or something. It was um it was intensive and and just been great, though, because leave even know, like, I've, I've definitely left it on the floor. I've definitely done everything I could do, you know. There was no other way to
0: come at this line. <laughs> well, I, would, I would say whatever they did definitely worked because, you know, the, the characters and the interaction on the show was pretty fantastic.
5: Oh, thank you. That's nice. Thank you.
0: <laughs> when
2: you were going through casting and such, uh, did you have any idea how important Kim would be in Jimmy's life?
5: No, none. Um, I did not know, my, uh, my final audition scene, uh, you know, when AMC and Sony and everybody have to agree to the casting and, um, and Vincent Peter were there and all of my amazing producers and they're reading with Bob, also somewhat of a Tennessee read. And as soon as they're saying that, you get some idea of like, okay, my relationship with with the Stall character is some sort of linchpin here. Um, and it was actually, (laughs) it was the phone call scene where I'm telling him, like, I'm not talking dirty to you, and uh, I think it's, like, episode two or three, and then he's, yeah, I think it's three, and um, when he's called me in the middle of the night, and there's all this intimacy implied, but there's also um, some kind of camaraderie about the law and what what's ethical and what's not ethical and gentle ribbing and then sort of more aggressive ribbing. Um, there's... A sexiness and a charmingness and it's like it was like everything all rolled into one, and you could play it a million different ways. And they did let us play it a lot of different ways, um, which is fun. And I mean, that's when I sort of was like, I feel like this, Bethany this must be a relationship character with Saul, and it seems like she must be a lawyer. Um, <laughs> and you just kind of, you know, you played the circumstances they gave you, and then I would kind of each time make up a three-dimensional person. That has life that's between the lines, you know, so that it was like, okay, if you if you have X, Y, Z as your clues and you work backwards and say what would make someone say that or behave this way or do that so that you can have the life that comes um, before you say things and, and give yourself a, a reason to have a reaction to what the person says.
0: I find it yeah. fascinating that, that that's the scene that you use for the, the major read because we, uh, Brian and I, always looked at that scene as like the, the penultimate scene between the relationship between Jimmy and Kim. And that's, you know, it, it raises a lot of questions. So it's very cool that you had all those questions as you were doing it. Yeah, it was,
5: it, it was great. And also, um, more and more, I realized these are two people who um, let their guard down with each other. Um, there's a, you know, all of their scenes were like alone, like talking to each other on the phone or late at night in the nail salon. And, um, you see, you see very different sides of both of them when they are each other's confidants and alone, which was such a, just such a really great and beautiful thing to explore to have that because we all kind of have that, that, that little microcosm where you can be you. <laughs> <We had letting laughs> um, and uh and it was and it was really it was really fun i when i when i did get cast though so they called. <laughs> i totally didn't make fun of this now because vince and peter know it but my agent had called me when i when amc and Sony and everybody agreed that um that it would be me and you know i was thrilled to have even auditioned at that level for all of them of course they might the part but you can't hold your breath it was go will It's close, literally and (laughs) figuratively. And they called me and I was bored and I was walking down the street and I was with my um, my fiancé and we were going to dinner and I just started crying and just burst into tears and was so happy and makeup running down my face. We couldn't go to dinner anymore and I'm just running around like a freak on the corner at Venice Beach. And um, my agent says quickly, she goes, no, 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 hang on, I need to tell you, you have to agree to a few things really quickly before we get up the phone. I was like, what, what, yeah, what, I already signed away everything, you yes, I'll move to Albuquerque, whatever you want. And so she said, uh, well, they're going to release things little by little to, you know, deadline and various um, media uh, outlets to say who's been cast, and, and so you can't tell anyone, and my agent, I adore, and she has an incredible volume in her voice. So my fiance could already hear her anyway, and he can see me crying. I'm like, well, he already knows. And she's like, that's fine, but don't tell anybody else. He said, okay. <laughs> you know, just for a few days. But also, when um, when they announce it, when it does come out, you need to just agree with whatever it is that the way that they put it out, to Deadline and everybody else, um, Hollywood reporter and all of those places. I said, fine, fine. She said, well, I'm just saying that because they're going to change, um, to change your name. And so they're going to use the name Beth, and you need to agree that yes, that that that's you. And I had forgotten that one at one point my character in because in, I auditioned for a while, and I had forgotten that Beth was one of the names on one of the sides of the characters that I played. So I thought she met me, that Ray Seahorn. I need to change my name to Beth. <laughs> <and> <laughs> agree when when Mom calls me tomorrow, so it's like. So I thought you so you didn't get the part, some girl named, and I was like sad, I was like, Wow, so no one will even know I guess we'll just pick some woman named Beth or do I have to tell people my name is Beth? And aren't my friends gonna go like, No, it's not, what the hell are you talking about? And I'm just gonna have to act like I've lost my mind. She was like, It's just for a few days and so I just agreed and my fiance who could hear it all was like wait a second, you have to change your name? And then I got all the And I was like, it's fine. That's just, in Hollywood, that
2: stuff happens. And just, <laughs> totally thought I had to change my name for two days. But I didn't. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Dave and I often go back to uh, the scene uh, in the first episode where uh, Jimmy comes out, kicks kicks the crap out of the garbage can, and then you're leaning against a okay. wall and he, and he takes the cigarette out of uh, out of your mouth, yeah. takes a drag off of it and hands it back. And uh, the way that they play that, it was it, it was it was super ambiguous because Dave and I were watching. We're like, mm. "Well, who the hell is that? Where? Is, <laughs> what is?" Like, you <laughs> can't just walk up to a stranger and take a cigarette. <laughs> so she obviously has right? to be somebody somebody very important. And then uh, you know it, it seems you know just as you said, there, there's a lot of affection be, between the two of them. But the actual nature of their relationship is kind of left up to the imagination of the the viewing audience and uh and i on it's all good man we went kind of back and forth in a few episodes talking about it and then uh the robot sex voice (laughs) was brought up and we're like whoa like (laughs) so so uh so do you think um it coming up in season two do you think that there will be more exploration about maybe like the romantic or like previous romantic feelings that that kim and jimmy had towards each other
5: You know, I mean, I can tell you with the utmost honesty that I don't know anything. They're in the writer's room now, and they're not telling me anything. Um, But I can only imagine that they will continue this kind of onion-peeling layering that they do so well with characters, and my character was um, particularly enigmatic and was just just as much about what she didn't say or express as what she did, Um, which was fun to play, too. You know, all the all the times that she chooses not to um show all her cards or let her guard down or say something. Uh and, and I and love playing that. And I love that they gave us a breathing room in our scenes when it's just Bob and I to play um the intimacy that's between the lines. You know, like mm-hmm. if you know someone that well and you're that close, they can there's almost nothing that could be said at face value. It's always like has some other <laughs> context or sub or subtext to you and I just kept taking clue like the scene you were talking about, which is one of my all time awesome favorite scenes I've ever gotten to shoot. And um
1: and it didn't hurt that it
5: was shot like film Noir or an Edward Hopper painting by this brilliant um uh <laughs> Albert Stowe, uh our DP. And um I was just uh I-, I remember just thinking like the same thing you said. You don't take a cigarette out of somebody's mouth and put it back in. And right. She knows them very, very well. Right. <laughs> um, and she doesn't. She doesn't flinch. That's the other thing. And, and they write. They're very. They're um, explicit with their uh, Arthur Albert. Sorry, the DP. I just put his last name. Like I'm in gym class. I don't know why, but it's Arthur Albert. Um, they they're explicit in their stage directions that Kim doesn't flinch when he does that. So it's mm-hmm. just, hmm. just amazing. You get very detailed things about your character that are almost like some of the fine brushwork without the broad stroke instead of the other right. way around. Right. And, um, and you, so you just keep this character, their characters, it, it feels like they just keep coming more into focus. Um, You know, you're getting a little more detail, a little more detail, and then you realize what's appearing in front of you. But I think it gives them all the freedom in the world to take the characters any way they want to, too. Nothing ever feels like a clever stunt when their characters change. Even the Chuck character in 109, made me cry every time I saw it. I saw it at a panel. I saw it being filmed. I cried every time they shot it. Um, <laughs> three, I cried when it came on table. It, it's excruciating. Um, but it wasn't, you were never like, oh, you hid that being a possibility from us just to be clever. It was more like you could go back and watch the whole season and realize that that was absolutely an organic undercurrent with this person the whole time, and it has finally, you know, bubbled over. Right. And now everyone can see it. So it's fun learning those things and, and getting a trip and finding out, like, oh, we were in the mail room together 10 years ago. Um, mm-hmm. and they picked me to put through law school and not him. Um, and to give a chance in the firm. And why is that? And what does that do to the relationship? What does it do to his relationship with the firm? And what does it do to his relationship with me? And it was great. I would, Im- so all I can say is I would imagine that they're going to continue that kind of um exploration and and uh and keep following that but i don't i don't
2: know anything specific <laughs> speaking of uh, speaking of chuck you, you kind of touched on that a bit what do you think kim's uh reaction to howard was when when uh, he told kim you know that chuck was kind of pulling all the strings and and chuck was actually the one working against jimmy how do you think how do you think your character kim reacted to that
5: I thought about that a lot because that reaction would be between that scene and when I go to the nail salon to tell him to take the deal, and um, and he berates me, and I just sort of stand there and take it because I don't want to tell him why. Um, I think she is devastated for Jimmy. Um However, I don't. It showed little about what I thought about Chuck prior to that, but I, she definitely thinks he's. I think she looked up to him, um, especially as a pillar of the law and, the, and, and she definitely thinks the firm she's at that he was such a huge part of, uh, is the right way to go. That's the right path. That's the right road to, um, to travel and all of this. But Hanlon, even though she finds out he's not, he's not the one behind always thwarting Jimmy, that's not that unusual because uh, every time I tell Jimmy's character to um, to worry about himself, and you know, with the billboard scene, and don't make it a personal vendetta, it's always in the vein of because you are you could be something amazing on your own if you let go of these other personal conflicts. She never agrees that Howard's a villain, and I don't think she thought he was. The first time you see her shaken by, huh? So that's how loyalty works. Is when he boots her out because she loses the Kettleman. Mm -hmm. Through no fault of her own. And I think that shook her a lot. And so she's really starting to question, um, in my estimation, like, so what is the good and the bad and the right and the wrong? And, okay, so that's who Chuck is, that I thought was an untouchable pillar of ethics and law. And that's who Hamlin is, depending on if the chips are up or, or down. And the person you're calling everyone thinks is like slipping Jimmy is the least duplicitous and the most loyal of anybody.
0: Yeah. So th- I
5: think that's what I thought she walked away from is like shaken, very shaken by somebody trying to mess with your foundation of how you, you know, whatever your moral compass is in life. When somebody starts shifting the needle, it's mm-hmm. unsettling, but none of it is worth as, she, as you see in 10 she just tells him very simply, and it was written beautifully, that all I said is, I didn't want you hitting your brother. And that was enough for Kim to take whatever abuse he hurled at her.
2: So, uh, on that same note, what do you think Kim's reaction will be when she learns that Jimmy walked away from the opportunity and the meeting that she set up with uh, the attorneys from Davis in Maine in the season finale?
5: You know, people have asked that a lot and I'm not sure. I'm still pondering that. Like what is she just left there standing, <laughs> you know, furious or fuming or I've had a lot of different thoughts on it and I've gone a lot of different directions. I'm very excited to see where they pick up with that. Um I think she did go out of the way to make that uh possibility a reality. Um and she probably doesn't like being embarrassed can did not enjoy that in uh, front of the other partners and everything. However, she continually tries to get Jimmy to be able to get whatever he wants and be the best him he can be. And, and uh, again, in the billboard episodes, you see that she wants him to do what's best for him, but she also <laughs> smiles when no one's looking at his crazy stunt of having somebody fall off the billboard. Um, So I don't, I think it could go in in any direction. If she really thinks that he's got to do something else and follow his passion, um, I don't know. She might be supportive or have a ton more questions or, you know, like I said, her foundation has been shaken to the point where I'm not really sure what she thinks of his decisions at this point.
2: Gotcha. Uh, We only have a couple minutes uh, left, so I'm I'm not going to take up too much of your time, but I... I have to just put this out here. Uh, my wife loves uh, Romeo, oh. Romeo and Michelle's, <laughs> and you actually played oh. uh, a character named Ashley Schwartz in the ABC Family uh, prequel yeah. Romeo uh, for Romeo and Michelle. Do you think that there's going to be any chance of like a third Romeo and Michelle movie like set in present day where it really ties the whole universe together?
5: I don't know, but we should definitely start a petition to Robin Schiff because she is brilliant. on um, the writer and director of that. She's just amazing and that character was so much fun to play. Just straight up villain with an entirely different set of <laughs> social social norms and ethics that like don't exist and she doesn't care that no one else gets them. Um, she operates completely by it her own standards and it was just so much fun and oh my god, (laughs) Justin Heigl and Alex Breckenridge were amazing in it, um, as well as um, uh, Alexandra who's now on um, Transparency was in it and uh, Nate Faxman who's gone on to be brilliant as a writer and an actor Um, God, we had fun That was a really fun set I love hearing that there's a fan of it Good, good, good
2: well, that's good. Well, you know, with the success of Better Call Saul and uh, Kim being such a such a huge uh, such a huge character in that show, hopefully, you know, by the time Better Call Saul wraps up, we we can start a petition and, and we can get that third movie made. Okay, let's do it, let's do it. I love and if we if, if we make it an, if we make it happen, I promise you, Dave and I we will do a Romeo uh, Romy and Michelle podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: uh, well, Ray, thank you so much for uh, chatting with Dave and I today. Uh, I hope whatever you're doing. Thank uh,
5: you, and thanks for your podcast. It's it's really great. I've loved I've loved listening to it. I'm a little behind because I had some tech problems in like the middle chunk of it, so I'm a little behind. But your <laughs> listeners are so um so astute, and it's been uh, I'm just I'm beyond grateful that um. People are invested in the story and the characters and, um, you know, it
4: used
5: to, I had somebody walk up to me on the street the other day that said, "Like, I started, when I started watching, I was like, when are they going to hurry up and get to where Saul is Saul? And they said, <laughs> in about midway through the season, I thought, like, well, you don't have to go that fast. <laughs> 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 you know, they were like, I love watching this man, uh, struggle to be good. It's, it became as riveting and heart wrenching as watching, you know, the sociopath of Walter White, um,
2: Descend to that, like he was
5: eaten alive by his ego. You
2: know. Well, you know, I, right I I hope uh, by the time it's all said and done, you know, I hope somebody puts a little bit of thought into uh, Kim Wexler spinoff.
0: Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a podcast about that as well. How oh, will
5: I have well, time to do Romeo and Michelle and the Kim spinoff? This is, you know, we've got to we've got we've
2: to, got to prioritize. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, once again, thank you so much for uh, chatting with Dave and I, and uh, good luck on Season 2. And we, we can't see what they have in store for Kim next.
4: Thank you.
2: Thank you, guys. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, Absolutely. thank you. Thanks, it's Larry. been a pleasure. The customers are gone and your store is on the rocks. Spread around the gas because it's time to torch the...